Today is Friday, June 30th, 2023. This is the Quick Start Podcast from CBN News, and I'm Billy Hollowell. A TV host was recently brought to tears by a powerful performance, and some believe there's a supernatural revival event underfoot in Louisiana. We'll have these top stories and more on today's podcast, News from a Christian Perspective. Subscribe to the show, give us a rating, and share it with a friend. And hey, you can always share your thoughts with us at quickstartpodcast at cbn.org. Joining me now is Trey Goins-Phillips. How's it going, Trey? Good. Another week has flown by. I can't, where did the week go? But here we are. Friday. Here we are. Friday. We're heading into a holiday week, too. It's 4th of July is coming, which, how are we already in July, too? I just don't get it. It's a tricky week, though, because a lot of people work Monday and then they have Tuesday off, right? Right. It's one of those strange things. And then you're back on Wednesday again wondering what happened. Why did you get a one-day weekend after a weekend? Right. Who's ready to, like, we're going to party and stay up late to watch fireworks and then be up early in the morning the next day? (laughs) (laughs) But it'll be fun anyway. It will be fun. It'll be fun. We get to celebrate America, which is always, always an amazing and fun thing to get to do. Uh, But on today's main thing, we're actually going to be talking about a very interesting issue going on in Colorado. A Christian school is challenging state officials over the claim that its preschool is unable to participate in a universal pre-K program unless the institution is willing to, quote, surrender its religious character and beliefs. We'll be talking with the attorney involved in that case. But before we get there, we are going to dive into the news in 90 seconds. The Kaiser Foundation Hospital's permanent medical group and associated doctors are facing their third lawsuit after another California teen claimed she was pushed toward hormonal and surgical transgender procedures, including a double mastectomy at the age of 13. Kayla Lovedell says she was 12 years old when she began the process of attempting to transition her gender, but she now regrets that process. A lawsuit filed on her behalf by the Center for American Liberty lists three medical doctors, professionals rather, who are accused of faxed tracking this transition. You can read more about that story over at CBN News, but one other detail on this, Lovedell realized at the age of 17 that she didn't want to be a boy and began the process of detransitioning. The lawsuit reveals that she suffered deep physical and emotional wounds as well as regret. In other news, America's Got Talent host Terry Crews, who's a popular guy, well-known host, he was recently brought to tears after a group of previously homeless men and women belted out a touching performance that led to a standing ovation. Now, this particular group, they're known as the Freedom Singers, and they took to the stage last week on America's Got Talent to audition with the song Under the Bridge. The group shared some of their personal stories of overcoming homelessness, and really their talent is what really resonated with the audience and again gave that standing ovation. One woman shared her experience of losing everything and ending up on Skid Row. She called her journey traumatizing. Another member encouraged people in the audience to help the poor and the homeless, but it was Terry Crews' backstage reaction that captured the most attention. He praised the artist and basically said, you know, look, thank you for what you do. And while he was thanking them, he broke down into tears. He said, quote, I want to thank you so much for what you do for the community, for what you do for so many people. I am completely touched right now. And I just thank you for being there. And he said, God bless you to all of them. 
The last story we're going to cover here, what started as a four-day revival event at an Oklahoma church last fall is still going strong under a big blue tent. This is a tent that seats 2,500 people. It was most likely put up thinking it wasn't going to go on that long, but here we are eight months later. Again, this started on October 16th at Old Zion Baptist Church, but here we are. This is still going on this revival. On the first night of the revival, there were about 125 people and 34 people gave their lives to Jesus Christ. But by the fourth night, the gymnasium was packed. According to evangelist David R. Harrison, he told CBN News it's the, quote, most supernatural event he has ever seen. He added that thousands of decisions have been made for Christ, salvations, restorations, deliverance, and healing. Those are just some of today's top headlines. You can check out those stories and many more over at cbnnews.com. Trey, that revival story is so interesting to me because again and again, since Asbury and even before, we continue to see these incredible spiritual moments and they unfold in the midst of a lot of social chaos. So it's an interesting juxtaposition. Yeah, it's fascinating, but I, you know, it, it reminds me of Obviously, Jesus Revolution came out in theaters not too long ago, and it reminds me of stuff that I've read and obviously stuff that I've now seen in the movie you know, depicted of what happened in the 60s and 70s in Southern California and then kind of swept through different parts of the country. Uh, and we were in a similar cultural and political climate in the late 60s uh, to, to what we're experiencing right now, right? There was a lot of, like in 2020, there was a whole lot of violence and a lot of unrest uh, centered on ethnicity and race. And we had similar issues uh, back in 1968 and 69. Uh, and all of that kind of culminated in a spiritual awakening. And it seems like we're seeing the same thing happen uh, in 2022 and 2023 uh, is, is this move of God. And I think, you know, a lot of it is because people are in a place of desperation, right? They've kind of, they've exhausted all of the avenues in our own strength uh, to try to find some sort of hope or some sort of peace. Um, and, you know, I, I think that th- that's, that's the, the, the climate we have to be in in order for the Lord to move because unfortunately we're selfish, right? So we're going to exhaust everything that we can do in our own power before we're going to be willing to look at the Lord. Absolutely. And I do think that, you know, there's this assumption that the way that culture is going to go, biblically speaking, some people looking at prophecy, things are just going to get worse and worse and worse, uh, which that very well may be the case. But I think there's an assumption that you can't have these revivals, these moments of people turning back to faith, even while that bigger, grander sort of falling away is going on. And it does feel like we're watching the culture you know, just crumble upon itself. And yet at the same time, we're watching more and more people find Jesus. And I just, I find it incredibly fascinating to be able to watch those two things happen at the same time. Well, I think particularly in American culture, the lines have been so blurred for so long because we've long embraced a cultural Christianity where we kind of all agree to the same moral standards. Um, but in this relativistic era, all of that has kind of gone by the wayside. So now anything goes according to the world. Uh, and then Christians, of course, because anything goes, uh, we're looking increasingly dogmatic, even though our positions on issues uh, if you're, you know, an Orthodox Christian, our position on issues like sexuality and ethnicity and God's design for identity and all of those things, those positions have never changed. But the contrast is looking increasingly stark when you compare it to the secular world. 
so I think in some ways it's a good thing because the lines are being drawn, um, hopefully not in a, in a bad way where, where we as Christians are starting to see unbelievers as our enemies, uh, but the lines are being drawn so that non-believers can look and see, oh, their life really is different, and these are the reasons why, because they're reliant on the Lord. It's not because they've been successful. It's not because they've manifested something in their life that's that's really good or that they wake up in the morning and, and say, I'm going to choose to be happy. Now, we're, we're happy and we're joyful because we choose to rely on Christ in the midst of all of this uncertainty. Um, you know, hopefully, hopefully our light will shine brighter as the world gets darker. I love that. And that is a great place for us to transition into our focus story. And this is really an intriguing one. You've got an Apple Watch that could have very literally saved a woman's life. What happened here, Trey? Yeah, so this story is crazy. Her name is Kimmy Watkins. She's 29 years old. uh, And she was wearing, she had worn her Apple Watch to bed, which that's already bizarre to me. I have an Apple Watch. I, I would not want to wear it to, to bed, but for whatever reason, I don't know if that it was just the Lord kind of prompting her to, or maybe this is part of her normal routine just to, to track her sleep habits, because I know a lot of people like to do that as well. So, But for whatever reason, this 29-year-old woman had her Apple Watch on. Uh, she was kind of rest, restless through the night, uh, and she she kind of you know was, was waking up a little bit, uh, kind of cloudy, I'm sure. And then she heard her Apple Watch beeping really loudly and realized, oh, that's probably what woke me up. Uh, and she was wondering what it is, of course, as she looks down at her watch and it had recorded a resting heart rate of 178 beats per minute, again, while she's sleeping. So, you know, naturally your heart rate shouldn't be that high. Uh, and it was all the way elevated to almost 180 beats per minute, uh, which is the equivalent, this article says, to the high intensity running or swimming uh, for her age group that normally for somebody in their late 20s, that would would be if you're doing a high intensity workout of some kind, uh, nearing 200 uh, beats per minute would be what your heart is at. And she was obviously in a completely resting state. Uh, so that's certainly a, a scary thing to wake up to. What in the world did the doctor say about this? Yeah, so thankfully, because of technology, all of that was recorded right to her phone, uh, which is kind of scary in some ways to think that our phones are tracking all of this data, but in other ways, it can be a a real blessing and benefit. Uh, So her doctor the next day quickly diagnosed her with a pulmonary embolism after running several tests, uh, which is when a blood clot uh, gets stuck in an artery in your lungs, uh, which has a 50% fatality rate. So that's a really, really serious uh, condition because it's blocking blood flow into your lungs. And particularly think about while you're sleeping, uh, your body is 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 regulating everything perfectly to keep you in, in rhythm and you're taking in enough oxygen and, and all of that kind of stuff. And to think that all of this was happening while she was sleeping. So she would have otherwise had this Apple Watch not alerted her, been completely unaware, and the outcome could have been much different. Uh, so it's incredible to think that... She woke up, her watch was beeping. The next day she was able to go see her doctor, uh, which when does that happen? How can you ever get an appointment the next day? But she somehow was able to do that uh, and was diagnosed with a pulmonary embolism and has been treated and is is doing well now. Wow. And what is she saying about this? I mean, has she responded at all to just obviously the stories out there? What is her current posture on it? 
Yeah. So she said her husband, you know, might not have had any idea what was going on either had the watch not gone off because she might not have even woken up uh, had she not been alerted to something going wrong uh, in her in her own body. And who knows what would have happened if she slept through it? Maybe she would have been okay and her body would have regulated back to normal uh, until the next day when she could go see a doctor. Uh, or maybe it, you know it could have been a much a much more grim outcome. But she said, "I'm very lucky, and if my sleep hadn't been disrupted." my partner would have found me asleep on the couch or not really asleep, obviously alluding to the idea that she could have uh, she could have passed away. She could have died uh, had this not been addressed. So, I mean, certainly uh, she she has to be really, you know, thanking. I don't know what her for her faith background is, but she if she is a believer, I'm certain she's she's probably thanking the Lord right now. Well, that is an incredible story, and it brings us over now to our main thing. A Christian school in Colorado is challenging state officials over the claim its preschool is unable to participate in a universal pre-K program unless the school is willing to surrender its religious character and beliefs. Jeremiah Gallus, Senior Counsel for Alliance Defending Freedom, joins the main thing to discuss Darren Patterson Christian Academy's lawsuit against Colorado. Here is today's main thing. Now, you filed a lawsuit on behalf of Darren Patterson Christian Academy. The school had been approved for a pre-K, a universal pre-K program in Colorado, but there was a bit of a snag when it came to the rules and regulations under which they would have to operate. Tell us a little bit about the baseline for this lawsuit. Sure, yeah. As you mentioned, Darren Patterson Christian Academy applied to participate and was actually approved to participate in Colorado's inaugural uh, universal preschool program. This is a program that's designed to be truly universal to benefit everybody. Um, it's where the state of Colorado has agreed to pay up to 15 hours of preschool tuition for all four-year-olds in the state. And Darren Patterson Christian Academy, which operates a preschool called Busy Bees, was really excited about this opportunity to serve more children in its community. It's been serving the uh, Chaffee County community um, since 1982, so for over 40 years. Um, the problem, um, though, was that the state department that is in charge with administering this program has imposed rules that would require the school to give up its religious beliefs and its religious practices simply to participate. It would have to hire, would have to agree to hire uh, those who don't share its faith or its values. I mean, it also would require, require it to make some changes um, to its internal policies, which are based on its religious beliefs. These are things that the school just can't do. Um, and so we filed a lawsuit. You know, when, when you look at this, and I think pe people who aren't people of faith, they might struggle to understand why it's important for a Christian school um, or any denominational school, it could be any religion for that matter, not just a Christian school, but that particular education facility to choose people to be on staff who share in their worldview. Can you, can you help explain why that's important? I know for people who get it, it's an easy answer, but some don't understand that. Yeah, all, all I would say is that the school's asking for no different treatment than every other business and every other organization. Every secular business and organization expects its employees to share its vision and values. And that's all that Darren Patterson Christian Academy is trying to do. It just happens to be religious. And so when you're a religious institution, necessarily you're going to hire those who share your religious vision and values. And that's important because the whole reason why you do things um, it, it's carried out through your employees, and that's no different for a religious organization 
um, versus a secular organization. And, and what the state of Colorado is saying to Darren Patterson Christian Academy is that you have to give up your religious beliefs to participate in this program. The Supreme Court has been very clear that the government, that government officials cannot require religious organizations to give up their religious beliefs and practices to participate in a government program just like everybody else. So it's unconstitutional, and, and the, the treatment Darren Patterson Christian Academy is expecting um, is to be treated like everyone else, every other uh, school, every other preschool in the state. You know, so under this universal pre-K program in Colorado, can parents choose what pre-K they're sending their children to? Yeah, they can. So, so the way it works in Colorado is they have um, preferences, right? So when you participate in the program, you identify those preschools that you would prefer to send your child to. And, and then the uh, state of Colorado matches you with your preferences. And so you can select, and parents do select Darren Patterson Christian Academy as their number one choice. And they select it as their number one choice precisely because of its Christian education that it provides. And so these parents who are supposed to be recipients, beneficiaries of this government program are being told by the state of Colorado that you cannot choose the relig religious education that you want for your children. Well, and it's it's interesting, and I asked that question because there's no argument then. I mean, in this case, the parents are making the choice that they want to make. If they want to send their kid to that school, they can. If there was a Muslim school or a Jewish school that opened, um, same thing. If they wanted to send their child there, they would be able to put it on their preference sheet and aim to do that. There are no surprises here. It is It is interesting that this keeps happening again and again, where religious institutions and organizations um, get cut off from these government programs. You and I recently talked about another issue um, out on the West Coast. Why do you think again and again, these sorts of issues continue to pop up? It's really hard to say, especially because the Supreme Court has been so clear on this issue in the past several years, where it's told several states now that it's unconstitutional, violates the First Amendment to exclude religious organizations from a government program. And what we're seeing some officials do, and it's it's absolutely wrong, is to say, well, if we can't exclude you j just based on your religious identity and your religious status, we're going to impose rules that would require you to give up your religious beliefs, and we're going to exclude you that way. Well, that's no different than what the Supreme Court has says violates the First Amendment. In this case, you know, I would imagine this is a this is a pre-K to eight, I believe, school. So they're they're dealing with lots of different grades. That when they're hiring teachers that there's a statement of faith of some sort that's that's par for the course for you know Christian schools um, is that accurate their hiring process has that statement of faith yeah that's that's absolutely right the, the fact that it's christian and gives a christian education to students is um, fundamental to Darren Patterson Christian Academy and so it does expect its teachers to share its faith um, that being said, this is a school that's been around since 1982, and it does serve um, students and families of all faiths and all backgrounds. But they are abundantly clear to everyone who walks through those doors that this is a Christian school that provides a Christian education from a biblical worldview. And so they hire teachers accordingly. And as I just mentioned, parents understand that, they appreciate it, and that's why many of them choose Darren, to send their children to Darren Patterson. 
Yeah, that's a choice the parents make. If you again, if you want to send your kid to a Bible-believing school or a school, you know, you maybe have another faith, but you don't want to go to the public school, and you're okay with sending your kid there. You you know what you're getting into. You know who the school is. That's their identity. Um, and and so with this, it's interesting. You know, I know there are certain policies they would have to bend. Uh, policies that have to do, I would imagine, with locker rooms and bathrooms and all sorts of other elements. When it comes to hiring, though, just to clarify on this point, would they have to throw out that statement of faith essentially for the pre-K? Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what the state of Colorado is telling them they, they have to do and telling them as a condition to participating in the program, you have to agree not to discriminate against any person. I would include all their employees based on religion which is really a remarkable thing because as we were just talking about, that's religious schools have a right to be religious. If, if you tell them that you can't have a staff that consists of those who share and live out your faith, you're telling them you cannot be a religious school. It's, it's no different. I mean, imagine going to the public school system and saying, well, you need to get rid of your secular worldview. You know, you, you can't have that here. Um, you know, it, it's a very, this is a very interesting case. What are you hoping to see happen at the end of this lawsuit? At the end of this lawsuit, we're hoping that we have a court, court ruling that explains very clearly that what the state of Colorado is requiring of religious schools in the state is unconstitutional. Um, we want to see Darren Patterson Christian Academy, as well as other Christian schools in the state of Colorado, um, have the ability to participate in a government program just like everybody else without being told by their government officials and elected officials that their religious beliefs aren't welcome in the state. Well, I want, to pre I want to thank you, and I appreciate your time coming on Breaking This Case Down. It's another important one, and we'll have you back soon, I'm sure, to talk about another one of these cases. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. That's definitely an interesting issue to watch when it comes to the way that the government and state governments handle these programs. We'll be sure to keep up on that story. Now, that brings us to our one last thing I want to read John 3.3. We often talk about John 3.16, but John 3.3 is somewhat overlooked, and it reads, Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And this is where that language born again comes from, turning your life over to the Lord, dying to self, living for him. It's the core of the gospel, and I would argue one of the most important scriptures um, in the canon. And again, I think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, living in this relativistic world. I think this is why the gospel is such an affront and is so offensive to our human our human nature, right? Is we want to have control. We want to decide what's acceptable, what's not acceptable. We want to say anything goes. When Jesus came and turned all that, all that on its head, and he tells us there's only one way to get into heaven, and it's through Jesus Christ. Yeah, no, that's a powerful word, and we will be back on Monday with another show for you. Really, really glad to have you join us today. And if you want news from a Christian perspective, be sure you're subscribing to this show, leaving us a rating. Make sure you email us if you have any questions or comments or thoughts over at quickstartpodcast at cbn.org. Again, subscribe, 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 and be sure to also subscribe to the CBN Quick Start email newsletter as well. Lord willing and the creek don't rise, we'll see you back here on Monday.